Okay, we're learning Daftalid. We're going to be starting from like nine lines down where the Gemara says, So what are we talking about here? In the discussion, again, of Rosh Hashanah, the Mishnah said, Rosh Hashanah, that means that whenever a king becomes, he ascends to the throne during the year, but the cutoff for the end of his first year, the beginning of the second year, will be when Rosh Chodesh Nisan comes. The Gemara had a whole proof of that. Shlomo's building place, I make the way that the dates are counted. It says it was in the second month, and then we have a vague word, Bashini, in another second. We say in the second from, from the month, when is the Rosh Hashanah Lamlach? After that, the Gemara moved on to say that this din, that Rosh Hashanah Lamlach was the first of Nisan, is only from Ahli Yisrael, like we see by Shlomo HaMalach. But by Ahli Umas Olam, it's otherwise. It's in, uh, it's in Tishrei. And the Gemara had a source for that. We learned by, by Nehemiah. Nehemiah was talking to the king Artach Shatya. He was asking for permission to leave Shushan and go to Eretz Yisrael and try to help the people rebuild the walls of Yerushalayim, so on and so forth. So he hears the state of the Jewish people in Kislev of the 20th year, and then he speaks to the king in Nisan of the 20th year, and it's still the 20th year of the king. So nothing switched, just, became, just because Nisan came. So we have a proof that for the Malchut Umas Olam, it's not Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah L'Malachim is not the first of Nisan, and instead we say that it's Rosh Hashanah L'Malachim for the Malachim Umas Olam is the first of Tishrei. And again, the Nafkamina is when we're documenting a date, Nashtar, so if we're, if we're subjugated to, to the Umas Olam and we're writing Yishim Shalom Malchus, when the year that they ascended to the throne, that's the way we're documenting the time in the star, then you would write with, based upon the cutoff of Echad B'Tishrei. So the Gemara got pretty busy, sidetracked about a certain king that we're trying to figure out if it meets the rule. There's a king, the Gemara says he has three names. What we're talking here about the latter one. We're talking about the second one, who is the one who's actually helping the Beis Mikdash be rebuilt. Remember, the first Korish was written, who originally gave permission for the, to be rebuilt the Beis Mikdash. Work was stopped. Things happened. Purim happened, so on and so forth. Eventually, years later, the end of the Persian dynasty, finally, we're getting um, the Beis Mikdash be rebuilt. So this character over here, it seems that we, in some places, we have an indication that he's counted like Malchus like Malach Yisrael. Um, that, 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 that we don't say the Rosh Hashanah for him is, Rosh Hashanah, is in the beginning of Tishrei. So the Gemara wanted to explain, well, he was a good king. He was a big tzaddik. Again, he allowed the Beis Hamikdash to be rebuilt. So since he was a tzaddik, we count like the Malach, um, like the Malach Yisrael. But then the Gemara is bringing the indication that that's not necessarily true, right? That we have, that uh, he's counted like the Malach Yisrael. So our, 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 the way we dealt with it yesterday is by saying that he was good originally, but he turned bad. So that's why in certain places you'll see that he's counted um, like Malchus Yisrael. In certain places you'll see like Malchus Yisrael. In the beginning he was like Malchus Yisrael, but at the end he's like Malchus Yisrael. That's the basic point. So the Gemara was trying to say, how do we know that he turned bad? How do we know we don't just you know start saying people were bad, but they turned bad if you don't have a source? So the Gemara said, that, well, the source is, is that when he gives uh, and he supplies in a letter, he says, whatever you guys need for the base to make this, I'm going to supply. He says that he has an ulterior motive. He says, I'm giving all this charity because I want to make sure you're praying for me and everything's going to be good for my family. So if, he, if he's giving the tzedakah only because he has the selfish motive, so we see that there's something bad about him. There's something bad. He's not giving it in an altruistic sense. He's only giving the charity because he wants good things to happen. Like Mark explains that when a non-Jew does such a thing, that reflects that he's, not, that he's not really such a righteous person, and that's how we know he was bad. So today we're picking up from there, and we're giving another answer how we know that this Korish Daryavish person turned bad. It's another answer how do we know that he turned bad. It says in the Pasuk, The three rows of marble. We're talking about the way that he instructed for the basement to be rebuilt. As, as sad as it is, it was, it was the, all the details came from Goyim. The second basement was built by, by Goyish hands. So even if we were the ones who... 
on the front lines, but the details and instructions came from them. So there were three rows of marble. The heaven colossal and the Ashada and a row of new wood. And all the expenses were paid for from the Beis HaMelech. So there's a row of wood with the rows of marble. So why, what's the wood doing there? Why in the world would he put wood between the marble? So the answer is, he thought to himself, if the Jews will ever rebel against me, I'm just going to burn it down in fire. So he wanted to make sure it was a highly flammable material before he starts, even though it's a funny thing. It's an act of generosity and belief in the Jewish people to rebuild their temple. But he does it with wood between the marble. The wood is there just in case he's got a security. He'll just destroy it really, really easily. So that's how we see that he wasn't good. But Shlomo Amalek did the same thing. In the first base of Mikdash, the righteous, obviously Shlomo was righteous. And still, he also has the same thing. He alternates the layers of stone and wood. He also has the rows of stones with rows of cedar. So Shlomo, the Pasuk has Arazim, but again, Arazim is wood. So Shlomo does the same thing. So if Shlomo did it, then why are we calling out Toyavish for being bad for doing it? So the Gemara says, Shlomo, Abba the Malavi, Abba the Mata. One distinction is that Shlomo put the wood on top, Toyavish put the wood on the bottom. So, and that's evident from the, the Taisis points out from the language of the Psukim, which, where, where the wood is mentioned first or second. And the point is that, in the, that if it's on top, then if you burn the wood, it would, it, then, then it's not going to necessarily destroy the whole thing. That's Shlomo Amalek. But he, he put it on the bottom. Why would he put it on the bottom? That would make it highly flammable to just destroy the whole thing. If you burn the bottom of a building, then the whole thing just collapses. So we see that Shlomo's intent was beauty, whereas his intent was to destroy it. Another difference, Shlomo Shlomo stuck it further in. He like, it was recessed, it was, pl- it was placed further in. He didn't do that. So in other words, for Shlomo, it wasn't necessarily a sign that it would make it easier to, to destroy. Shlomo Shlomo also plastered it. He covered the wood. It was covered in line. Elo Sadi Basida, the Rebbe did not necessarily do that. So basically, we're saying that with Shlomo Amel, since it was covered in plaster, it wasn't a danger for it to easily burn down. Whereas by Dayavish, where it was exposed wood, highly flammable material, it was done so that it should be easy to burn it down. So it was on top of the, the marble? Or on bottom of, or holding up the marble? In, in, by, by Dayavish? It was holding up the marble? Yeah, it was on the bottom, yeah. Okay. So it was part of the, the marble? Yeah. And now the Gemara gives us a third source, how we know he was bad. So until now, again, he was bad because he donated it for an ulterior motive. Or number two, we see that he was very busy putting wood on the bottom so that it should make sure that basically it should be easily, easily, easily destroyed. And the last source now says the Gemara gives you the Gemara. We know the Gemara. We know he was bad, and we looked at this pasuk yesterday. It says that the king says this is by the dialogue between Dayavish and Nachamim. So it says the king says to me, and his shegol is sitting next to him. So the question is, what exactly shegol means? So the Gemara is going to show us that a lot of times it means like a concubine or a wife or something like that. But in this context, my shegel, the Gemara says, It means a dog. And it was a dog that he used to live with, he used to have relations with. So this is something that's also, it's one of the Sheva Mitzvahs, sexual things that are forbidden is to have um, relations with animals. So this was his female dog that he had a relationship with. That's how we see that he turned bad. Says the Gemara, that's a pretty harsh accusation from the word Shagel. Shagel, how do we know that that's true? Look at this passage. It says, This is talking about Belshazzar. It's a passage in Daniel. That you exalted yourself against Hashem. And the Kalim, right? Remember, that's what Belshazzar did. Belshazzar used the Kalim from the base of Mikdash. You, your noble people, and your shalgach, they all drink the wine. So when we, he's accusing Belshazzar of using the Kalim with Beis Hamikdash, he says, 
you drank wine, but he says you and your shegel also did. So what does that mean? If a shegel is a reference to a dog, do you think a dog drinks wine? So it doesn't make sense. In context, of shegel means, means a dog for, 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 for Daniel to accuse Belshazzar of him and his dogs drinking wine from the Caitlin of the Vesem Mikdash. So it must mean something else. It must mean like a wife or something like that. So the Mar says, Kasha, the mouth of the love of Shasya, yeah, the dog is not a big deal. You could train it. If you train the dog, it's able to drink. So therefore, we've defended that Shegel really means a dog. Says the Gemara, we have a different Pasuk here. Here's actually a Pasuk in Tehillim. And it's talking about a good thing. It's talking about Klai Yisrael. The Nos Melachim, the daughters of honorable daughters, Bikurasecha, are coming to honor you. Nitzvah The Shegel stands by your right. Vichasim Ophir. Like the, all the beautiful um, jewelry from Ophir. So this is talking about eventually how amazing Kali Yisrael is going to be, and it's saying how all the most noble people in the world are going to honor Kali Yisrael. And we're saying that who's going to stand to the right of Kali Yisrael? The, the, the Shegel. So if the E Shegel, if Shegel is a dog, then what is the thing that the Navi is telling about Kali Yisrael? Meaning, we're saying Kali Yisrael is so amazing that they're going to have a dog on their right. Like, why is that, why is that a sign of nobility? So the Gemara answer is, this is what the Navi is trying to say. The same way that the, if the, the, in the reward that the Torah is treated so special to Klai Yisrael, just like the Goyim treat their dog so dearly, you're going to merit to have the special golden jewelry from Ophir. So we're saying that there, the Shegel is a metaphor. It's not saying that there's going to be a dog next to Klai Yisrael, but it's saying that the, the, what's next to Klai Yisrael on their right is their Torah, just like to the Goyim, what is so special to them is their dogs. That's why we're going to have the merit of the special jewelry of Ophir. So there's a little bit of missing words there in the Pasuk. It's like, it's really the, the, the dog is just meant to be a metaphor. And the real, the nimshal here, what's important is that it's the Torah. We love the Torah so much, just as great as the Goyim love the dog. That's why now we're going to have Zuchif, something like that. It's a very interesting, I don't particularly understand what, what the sense of the metaphor is. You know, that, that's the Chavivas, if you want to describe Kali, so Chavivas is very interesting. I don't... I don't have any specific questions on it, but it's, 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 it's probably an unlikely thing to compare it to. Just like the Goyim are so, they love their, 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 these dogs so much and these relationships that they have with them. So to us, Kalei Yisrael, we have that same with Tyra. And that's our schos, and that's schos that we have, that we're so close to our Tyra. That's what we love. That's our relationship with. That's what we're going to be zayche to all sorts of um, honor in the future. Fine. So we're still defended that the Shegel means a dog. Says the Gemara, but he's with Olam Shegel Malkasahi. The truth is that Shegel just means a queen. Yeah, well, a lot of these psukim that we just sh- that we just showed would make more sense to say that it's a queen. For Rabbi Barlima, Gemara Gemirla. For Rabbi Barlima, who said that the Shegel from Diavish was a dog, he didn't mean to translate the word that way. What he meant was that he had a Gemara, meaning he had a tradition. Sometimes we have that that words have different meanings, and we have tradition which dictates what it means in different contexts. So my Carla Shegel, if Shegel really means a queen. Then why here is it used to mean a dog? It just means that he treated the dog as if it was the queen. He treated it with such respect that he put it on a throne, like the queen. You know, like him, and next to him was the dog. Fine. Says the Gemara, it's just another source, a fourth source here, that he turned back. It says in the passage, up to 100 tablets of silver, 100 cores of wheat, a hundred different baths full of wine, a hundred baths of oil, and unlimited salt you could have. So when, originally when he was donated for the Beis HaMikdash, the language was whatever you want, 
whatever comes up, whatever is necessary for the needs of the base of Mikdash, I will supply. That was the original instruction. But here in the actual letter, now he's giving very spe- specified amounts. He's not saying an unlimited amount you can have. He's just saying, I'll donate these amounts. Originally, when he allowed the base of Mikdash, he said it should be given whatever without any limitation. Now he's saying that it's only in a limited amount. So what happened? Must be that in the years between the original letter and the follow-up letter, he turned the bad, and suddenly he's a lot less generous. So it's like, you know, somebody says, I'll give you whatever you need. And then eventually he starts saying, I'll give you this amount. So it's a sign that they, they had a change of heart. So the Gemara says, that's not good to approve. Doma mekar lava kim So maybe originally he could, you just didn't know how much he should give. Meaning you don't, you didn't know what the base of Mikdash would need. So that, it wasn't like he turned bad. It was just that he wasn't going to give an amount before he knew what they needed. Later, he figured out how much they needed, and that's how much he, he said he would give. So the Gemara says, you're right, that's a good question. El, or rather, the better answer would be, like we said originally, like um, in the Pesachim that we said before. So we close, we defend like this, that, that, that the Malchum and Ulam are really from Tishrei. First was a good king, he was counted from Nisan, then he turned bad, he was counted back from Tishrei. Again, how do we know he was good? Because he allowed the base of Mikdash to be rebuilt. How do we know that he turned bad? Either because he gave Tzedakah conditionally, or because he put the wood in a, in, in, a, in a specific strategic location to make it easy to destroy it, or because of this whole Shegel business that he had this relationship with this female dog. Those are the three sources that the Gemara sticks with that Tayyavish turned bad. Okay, now we continue to analyze over here. Says the, the Gemara Ulurigalim, we said that the Rosh Hashanah, that, that, that uh, Nisan is also the Rosh Hashanah, it's the first of the year for the Regalim. So what does that mean? Is the new year for the festival is the first of Nisan. It's only on the 15th of Nisan. In other words, Pesach is the first of the Regalim. But the Echad, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, is not the beginning of the Regalim. What does Rosh Chodesh Nisan have to do with anything? What we mean, what the Mishnah is saying is that is that in the, 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 the Nisan is the month that has in it the regal, which is the first of the regalim. So we're not saying the first of Nisan is the Rosh Hashanah regalim. You're right. We're saying that Nisan has in it the regal, which is the first of the regalim. So we're making a point basically of saying that in sequence, Pesach is number one. Pesach is number one. So it's like the Gemara, a very simple question. What's the Nafkamina? Like, who cares? What does that mean? Pesach is first. It's like the order is Pesach Shavuot Sukkot. And if it would be Sukkot Pesach Shavuot, it's like, who cares? Like, we're celebrating the calendar. It goes round and round. In what sense is it a Rosh Hashanah? So until now, we were speaking about, you know, the dates of the king. That's for Staros. But here we have to figure out what's the point of the Mishnah that the Regalim, the first one is Pesach. So the Gemara explains, Nafkamina is somebody making a vow. And this takes us to a big Sukkot here called Baal Ta'achah. Let's perhaps just give a little introduction. There are, different, there are different times when a person makes a net. There are two different places in the Torah. The Torah talks about in Parshas Matos, right? The whole sukkim of a person making a net. The net normally is that a person prohibits something which is permitted to them. They say, you know, this loaf of bread should become altar to me. That's called a net. You can also make an oath, a shavuah, where you promise to do something, you promise not to do something. Different forms of nether and shavuah there in the Pesukim and Matas. But there's a very different context of, of nedar. There's a pasuk in Parshas Kiseitze. And the pasuk is a totally different context. The Torah says, Kisidar nedar l'ashem lokecha. And again, a nedar, the Torah says, lo sa'acher l'shamot. You cannot delay to pay it off. And there, we're talking about a very different form of nedar. We're talking about the form of nedar called nidre hektish, which means that when a person has... Um, outstanding debts to God. Now that can be simply the simplest interpretation is a carbon. A person donates, you know, I'm going to bring a carbon or they actually dedicate a certain carbon to be brought. And the question is, well, when are you actually going to bring the carbon? And you can't delay too much before you bring it. 
Uh, that's called the Nidre Hektish, a very different form of Nether, but it seems that it works with the same similar capacity um, as, 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 as Parshas Matos, although it's really a different section in the Torah. So we're looking at the Din of Baal Ta'achar, not to delay. When, I, when you pledge, when you have a pledge to God, you're not allowed to delay. So we say over here that it makes a difference when Pesach is the first holiday to know when you're going to, going to be over on Baal Ta'achar. So basically we're going to explain that the Psukim add B'chaga Matos, B'chaga Shuvos, B'chaga Sokes, right next to that Pasuk of and it means that, that you have the time frame of three regalim to be over on Baal Ta'achar, which is not something which is explicit in the Psukim. Again, it's the juxtaposition of the Psukim of appearing in the Beis HaMikdash three times a year, and the Pasuk makes a mention of saying, and we relate that back to the Pasuk, that it follows, of not to delay bringing a carbon, and we say that delaying relates to the three regalim. So if you delay one day, you're not over on Baal Ta'achar. If you delay on the three regalim, then you're over on Baal Ta'achar. So what our mission is coming to say is that the first of the regalim is Pesach. Why do I care? Because Reb Shimini, we're going only like Reb Shimini. The Tanya says in a price. Look at this price. Whether somebody's making a neder, or he's making a hektish, meaning he's donating something, not a carbon, but he's donating something like uh, an item to the treasury. Or he's making an erichin. Erichin is when I say him pledging somebody's value to the base of Mikdash. As soon as three regalim pass and he didn't pay the pledge, over Akher, that's when he's over in Akher. So any three regalim, according to the Tanakama, it doesn't make a difference what order the regalim pass. According to the Tanakama, it's whenever three regalim pass. So if let's say I made it before Shavuos, after Pesach, but before Shavuos, when would I over, be over in Akher? After Shavuos, Sokis and Pesach. As soon as Pesach is over, I'm over in Akher. Let's say I made it right before Sokis. When am I over in Akher? After Shavuos passes. I did Sokis, Pesach, Shavuos. It's any any way that the three pass. As soon as three regalim pass, we're over on Baal Ta'achar. Reb Shimon Omer, no. Shalosh regalim kesidron v'chagamatzas tchila. You're only over when, the, when it passes the three regalim in their order. When a Pesach, Shavuos, then Sukkot passes. So if I make it before Pesach, then everybody would agree. It's Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot. But according to Rabbi Shimon, if let's say I made it after Pesach, before Shavuos, I'm not going to be over after the next Pesach, even though three regalim pass. I'm going to always only be over when, when Sukkot is over. Reb Shimon used to also say like this. Reb Shimon, it's the same thing. Which time Reb Shimon says Shimon Yechai? Regalim, how many festivals pass? We over and about the Acher. It depends. Sometimes it could be just three. Sometimes it needs four regalim. And Palmu Chamisha sometimes it's five. Ketzad, how is it? Sometimes three, sometimes four, sometimes five. No, to live Pesach. If the nether was made before, right before Pesach, then what? It would be three. Pesach for Sukkot. Lifneat Zeres. Hamisha, if I made this made it right before Shavuos, it's going to be five. Why? Because it's going to, again, you need the, the regalim in order. So it's going to be in that case, Shavuos, Sukkis, Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkis. So therefore, that, that's the most. It's going to be five. If you made it right before Sukkis, it would be four. It would be Sukkis, Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkis. So our mission is following that day of Rabbi Shimon. That to be over in Baal Ta'acher, it requires that the, the three regalim pass in their right sequence. So Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. Any other sequence is not going to be over in Baal Ta'acher. It's got to be that order. We'll see on the Amun Beis what the sources are for this dispute. So our mission is saying that the, the right sequence, the Rosh Hashanah for the regalim, the holiday number one is Pesach. That's the way of knowing, referencing this law of Baal Ta'acher, that someone who has that, this outstanding pledge to the Beis HaMikdash He's over only when, this, when the holidays pass in their sequence, and the sequence is Pesach Shavuot Sukkot. So now we get all into the Sukkot Baal Ta'acher. This is the real Makar. We're going to learn a couple of Dapim here of Gemara about Baal Ta'acher. Says the Gemara, Tan Rabbanu, we teach in a bride, so Chayvea Domim Va'erchen. Somebody who's Chayv to pay Domim or Erchen. Domim is 
It's a very similar thing. I promise somebody's value to base a mikvah, but Dhamma and Erechen are different. Erechen is specifically by category. The Torah gives categorical ideas like how much people are worth between this age and that age. Dhamma is just a way that they're assessed on the slave market. So every person, you know, it depends what they are as, on the, as their value as a slave. So if somebody is chayv in either form to donate that money to the base of mikdash, charamim, charamim vows, those are an interesting thing. It's a machlok, is what exactly it is. Charamim, either it's something that goes to the koanim or their value goes to the base of mikdash, it's a machlokas. Hekdeshos or other forms of hekdesh, somebody says they're going to give an item to the base of mikdash. Chatao, somebody who's chayv to bring a carbon chatas, meaning he sinned, he has to bring a chatas. Ashamos, he has to bring an ashram. Different types of sins require an ashram. Olos ushlamim, those are pledged things, those are donated things. So Ola is totally burned, shlamim is eaten. Tzedakos, ooh, now suddenly we're taking this out of the base of Mikdash. Tzedakah, stam, a person pledges tzedakah to the poor people. Umaisros, in general, now we're talking about maisros. What are maisros? Truma, maiser rishon, maiser sheni, maiser ani, all of those things. Bechar, a carbon bechar. Carbon bechar is the first, firstborn animal has to be brought as a carbon. Umaiser, or the, the animal that's the one out of every ten, right? The halacha is one out of every ten animals is a carbon. Upesach, a carbon pesach. So what's lekachichopeya? So the din is that when you're when you're gathering your field, so so anything that you drop or you forget behind, you know, or you have to leave a corner of the field, there are certain gifts that go to the poor. So there's balta achar on that. How do you balta achar on that? So it tells us struggles. What exactly does that mean? Like if I didn't do the mitzvah, I didn't do the mitzvah. Where do I ever balta achar? So maybe it means like in a case where you took it, or if, maybe even permissibly, like in a case where there no where no aniim around, then you don't leave it in your field for the birds to take. You take it. But what happens if poor people come? Then you should give it to them. So again, you could delay a sense of how long you had to give it. All of these debts. So again, very interesting. Different types of debts to God. Not all of them are to the base of Mikdash. We're going to see where we learn all of these from. So when you have all these types of debts that in mitzvahs, if three regalim pass, over at that point, you're over about the Acher. Again, the Tanakhama's view is that it doesn't matter what the sequence is. It doesn't make a difference if it's Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot in order, if it's Shavuos, Pesach, Sukkot, I have a Shavuos, um, Shavuos, Sukkot, Pesach, rather, any order the three pass in, you're over. That's the Tanakhama's view. Rabbi Shimon Omer, no. Shalosh, Regalim, Kisidron. Just like we echoed in the last price, so you're only over if the three Regalim are passing in their right sequence. What is the right sequence? Chagamatzos, Tchila, when the holiday of Pesach is what kicks it off. A third opinion, Rabbi Meir Omer. This price was elaborating again, different views in the Tanoim, how much time passes before you're over about the Achar. A third opinion here, Rabbi Meir Omer. Kivin Alim, Regal Echad, even just one holiday, whatever it is, before Pesach, which doesn't make a difference which one, over about the Achar. According to him, one passing of a Regal is about the Achar. A fourth view, Rabbi Lazarin Yaakov Omer, Kivin Alim, Shnei Regalim, any two, over about the Achar. And finally, a fifth opinion, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon, Omer, Kivin, Shavuot, Leim, Chag, Sukkot, Ovan, Bata, Achar. As soon as Sukkot pass, you're Ovan, Bata, Achar. So he's saying, it, 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 it doesn't matter, it doesn't make a difference how many pass. It's not about how long it is. It's all about Sukkot passing. So if you made it right before Sukkot, it would be one. If you made it right before Shavuot, it would be two. If you made it right before Pesach, it would be three. Now this is, right, this is different than, than, than Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon is saying you need three to pass, and they have to pass in the right order. Of course, Rabbi Shimon, it could potentially, as we saw, be five. If I make it before Shavuos, then it's going to be Shavuos, Sukkot, Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot. According to his last opinion, it's just about the passing of Sukkot. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three. So again, just to summarize, we've had five different opinions. 
Tanakama says it's about the passing of three regalim in any order. Rabbi Shimon says it's about the passage of three regalim in the right sequence. Rabbi Meir says it's the passage of one regal. Rabbi Lazar Yaakov says the passage of two regalim. Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon saying the passage of the holiday of Sukkot. So now the Gemara is going to analyze for us where in the world do we get such varying opinions, different views on what it takes to be over about the Acher. My time is Tanakama. So we start with the basic, start with the Tanakama that is three regalim. So the Gemara says, Mihti minayu salik. We had just finished talking about um, the regalim. So meaning this is appearing in Parshas Re'eh. Look in context, Parshas Re'eh, we lay this on the regalim. It talks about the mitzvos that apply in Pesach, Shabuos, and Sukkot. So after all of that, the Torah tells us that there's a mitzvah of Aliyah the which is great. What's the mitzvah of Aliyah the Regal? Shalosh pamim ba'ashana yireh Three times a year, all Jews have to appear in front of Hashem. And what does appear? Appear. You bring a carbon, mitzvah, aliyah, the regal. Beautiful. But the Pasuk doesn't stop there. It adds. Now, those words are extra. How do I know those words are extra? Because right before we were talking about those exact holidays, we just spoke about Pesach, Shavuos, So the Pasuk simply could have said, by the way, on those three times that we just spoke about, Everybody has to appear. Why does the Pasuk have to specify what those three times are? We just spoke about what those three times are. Why does the Pasuk have to specifically say, We say that the Pasuk is coming to speak them out to understand that which is referenced before that we say, when the Torah finishes off not to appear empty-handed, even though is coming to say you have to bring a carbon when you, when you show up, which is true. When you're old of the regular, you have to bring an old Asriyah. But in addition, the Torah is referencing, by the way, with these three holidays, you got to make sure that you're, you're you're handling all of your debts. So it's referencing a different law, the law of And we're saying that over here, the extra words are saying that on these three regalim, you're going to have baltach. So according to the Tanakama, we don't make a big deal of the passage in a specific sequence. We just say the extra words that teaches us that with those three with those three regalim, you have an issue about the Acher, but they could come in any order. It doesn't make a difference specifically what the order is. Now Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon Omar, He says a little bit different. He agrees that the extra naming of the regalimir is to teach us for Baal Ta'achar. He agrees. But he says, even with that point, even though it's going to mention them for Baal Ta'achar, but specifically Sukkot, Sukkot is still extra. Why is Sukkot still extra? Because that was mamish what the Pasuk was just talking about. In other words, it had been talking about the regalim. It said Pesach, it said Shavuos, and then it said Sukkot. And then it says, So even if it's going to say the extra words, Shavuos, it still didn't have to say You know what it could have said? It could have said everybody should come in front of Hashem and on the holiday of Pesach and Shavuos. That's what it could have said three times a year. And I would have known that the extra one missing for the third is Sukkot because that was the very context. So it could have said, by the way, talk about Pesach, Shavuos, talk about Sukkot. Then say all the males should appear. When? On Pesach, Shavuos, on the three times. And we would have understood that the third one is Sukkot because that was the very context of the Pasuk. So Lama Nemar, speaking out Sukkot is still extra. It's extra within the extra. Even within the extra, it still was extra to specifically talk about Sukkot because that was the exact context. So why is the Torah saying it? Lama Nemar, Lama Shazachron is making a point of saying that it has to be the last one. We understand that the extra mention of Sukkot is telling us that it better be at the end of the sequence. That's the point. So you're over when three regalim pass, but only when 
it's ba'ayfen of Pesach Shavuos and then Sukkot at the end. So this is the source for Rabbi Shimon to say it's not Stam three regalim, it's three regalim, and Sukkot is the last one. Says the Gemara, what about Rabbi Meir? Rabbi Meir was the opinion that any regal makes you over in Baltacher. My time with Dechsev, Uvasa Shama, Vavesim Shama. It says about when you're Ola regal, you should bring there all your karbanos. So this is a Pasuk way before. Um, but it's talking about the base of Mekdash, and it says, when you come to the base of Mekdash, so what is that? That's a mitzvah. That's a mitzvah. It's saying that you should take care of your uh, which we're saying is a visit to the base of Mekdash. And Rameir understands whenever you have a din to come to the base of Mekdash, when do you have a din to come? It's not saying, Stam, you're on a, a, a visit. It's saying when you have a din, when you're obligated to come, which is when you're Ola Laregel. Uvasa Shama, when you're, when you're visiting the base of Mikdash, when you're mandated to visit, shama, then you have a din that you have to bring. You must bring your karbonos on that regal. So that's mashma, even just one. Even just one. Uvasa Shama, when you had to come, shama, then you had to take care of the chiyav. So therefore we say, about the is after one regal. So the Gemara says back, everybody else disagrees because we're not talking about what you should do we're talking about when are you over on Eloisa Ase for not bringing. There's a difference. We're not talking about what you should do. We're talking about a prohibition, the love of Baal Ta'acher. So you don't see from the mitzvah of Shama that you're over on Baal Ta'acher. There's two different aspects. There's a mitzvah essay that on the first regal that you come, you should bring. That we agree. Uvasa Shama, when you're mandated to come, Vavesim Shama, you should take care of the Chiv. But the Rabbanon say, what does it have to do with the Lav of Baltacher? Lav of Baltacher is a different story. That's a different law. That's based upon three regal. Yes. In other words, that Rabbanon are saying, we agree that you're all here on an essay. Meaning, it's like someone who didn't put on filling. He wasn't fulfilling a positive mitzvah in the sense that he didn't bring it on the first regal. But the Lav of Baltacher, you don't have until three regal. It's a hard one. It's a hard one, and I agree with you. It comes out like a little interesting. There's like two separate commandments here. There's a positive mitzvah to do with the first one, but if you, it, the, the low says that you only get afterwards. Sometimes we have a lashes, but do you think there's lashes in Baltacher? It's a lav shame no? It's a big, there's a huge chakir about this, and we'll talk about this maybe another time. But for most cases of Baltacher, you're probably not going to get lashes anyway. So what is it? I'm wrong, right? I'm doing the wrong thing. Doing the wrong thing as soon as one, one regulating. What's the difference if I'm doing the wrong thing because I was over and not doing what God told me to do? Or I did the wrong thing because I did the prohibition that God told me not to do? No, you're over on Blaisal Rekam. So the, the, the act of coming up to this message, if you came to this message, would be like coming Rekam. So interesting point. I, I, I see your point, but because but I, 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 in the drasha of the it was next to Leirah Fane But I want to clarify one thing. Even though we're saying there's a drasha that we stick in those words, you're not over on Leirah Fane Rekom. Leirah Fane is when you show up without your Olas Re'iyah. The drasha we're saying is that we're putting it with it and we're saying you're over. But what you're over on is Baal Ta'acher. Okay, anyways, very, very difficult things here. But we're saying, according to Rabbanon, there's a mitzvah, shama, an essay, and you weren't Mikhaim, you're essaying the first record, but that doesn't necessarily reflect on Baal Ta'achar. For Rameir, and this is pretty much what you're saying, Yudah, Rameir argues back, even though Amalei Rahman, I see, if Hashem said that you have to bring it on the first regal, below I see, and you didn't bring it, automatically you're over on Baal Ta'achar. Meaning, what do we mean to say? The Torah set a deadline. Right? What, is, what, what are we saying? There's a lot about the Acher. Don't delay. So to know to what delay is, you have to understand what the deadline is. So if Hashem said that I'm mechuyiv, I have a mitzvah to bring it on the first regal, so once the first regal passes, I missed the deadline. I missed what I was supposed to do. That's the textbook definition of Los Acher. So this brings us, and I'll just speak out very quickly, to the big grade in Baal Acher. Is the, in Rameir we see very highlighted over here, that the word is, 
once I saw that I didn't do what I was supposed to do, then there's Baal Ta'achar, meaning I missed the deadline. But the Achronim say that the Rabbanon old, and this is the, a little bit of understanding, that Baal Ta'achar means not Stam that I missed the deadline, that there was a delay in the deadline, meaning I passed the deadline to the extent that I've delayed so much afterwards, now like you're really in the red. You know, like you think about it, like sometimes you'll get, you'll get like you miss your bill, right? So you get a letter, okay, miss the bill. When does they start charging you extra interest? When do they start taking you to court? Not exactly necessarily right away. There are different things. You're past the deadline, past the due date. Payment is past due. But the ramifications don't necessarily kick in right away. Person can be payment past due and there might not even necessarily be any penalty. Later, there's something that might kick in. So that's an illustration on a certain level of what Baal might be. 100%, there's a mitzvah that's a year over. When is it due? 100%, it's due the first regal. But Baal you're over on the lav, not necessarily at the point. The lav might not be to get it in before the due date. That might be the essay. The lav might be something later when it's so due that now there's a lav that you're transgressing. Continues the Gemara. Rabbi of my time. Where does he get? He guys said that it was two regalim. These carbonos, most of you should. He's talking about by the musafim. These are the carbonos that you bring. And the pasuk goes on to say, from besides for all yunadarim. That's important. The pasuk is talking about the carbonos that you have to bring. But it says besides for all your donated carbonos. So the idea is that we're saying that that's a reference to all the things that you have to give. Because about the acher, me and moadim shnaim. And there the Torah says, in your plural moadim. So we say that means two moadim. The Isra is after two festivals, and any two festivals are passed. Says the Gemara for Rabbanon, Uchad Rabbanon, the Rabbanon actually commands them to say that. That's just coming to say Moadechem to say that all the Moadim have a hackish one to the other. What's the point that is teaching me? Shakulin Machabal Tumas Mitzkish Bekachav. They all atone. What are all the Karbanos Musaf? All the chatos, right? Every carbon musaf has a chatos there. What is it all atoning for? Tumas mikdash v'kachav. When people come in tummy to the base of mikdash, or they eat carbonos when they're tummy, so on and so forth. Because the Torah says that specifically by the goat chatos on Rosh Chodesh. It says for the sin of the tzibor. And we say that that's interpreted for the people who sin with tumas mikdash v'kachav. So we're makish all of them together. All of the, all of the musafim that are caught are brought on all of the, on all of the holidays are atoned for that point. So it's nothing to tell us about the Acher at all. Says the Gemara, the last opinion here, what did he say again? That's Sukkis. It all depends on Sukkis. It didn't have to say the festival of Sukkis. The Pasuk was talking about that. We mentioned this point. The Pasuk was talking about Mamsha, Sukkis, and then it's saying Ali Rago. So it could have just said that three times during the year. We know it's the Sukkis. Lama Nemar, Lama Shazagor, we're telling you that it's all about the cause of Sukkot, meaning even though we're going to say it's not really about that. It's really about when Sukkot passes. Sometimes it could be those three, meaning if I made the pledge before Pesach, it's going to end up being Baal Ta'achar when Pesach Shavuos and Sukkot pass. But if I made it right before Sukkot, then it will just be about Sukkot. So his view is that it just depends when Sukkot passes. Okay, so now there were a lot of Tanoim, not a lot of Tanoim, but Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, it comes out, didn't use right? Rabbi Meir said it was one, he said, said it was two. He used They didn't use that pasuk at all for Baal Ta'achar. So the Gemara says, What do they do with it? Again, those words are extra. The pasuk was talking about the Moadim. If the pasuk was talking about the Moadim, it didn't have to speak out what the Moadim are. It just spoke about them. So it just could have said the three times a year you appear. So what do they do with the extra words? So the Gemara says, They need it. How do I know that by the holiday of Shavuos, there's a, there's, um, there is makeup for all seven days? Meaning, you have a mitzvah to appear in the base of Mikdash, Ola the Rego, and bring Karbanos. You have the, the uh, Ola Sreel, you have to bring. 
How do I know that if you didn't bring it on the holiday of Shavuos, you have makeup for the whole seven days? So by the other regalim, you could bring it the whole regal. Very good, because there it's a regal. It's all part of the regal. The seven days are part of the holiday. By Shavuos, the, the holiday is only one day. So how do I know that you can make up, that you have tashlumen for the Ola Sariya for all seven days that follow, even though they're not part of the holiday? The Pasuk says all the holidays together. We compare it to Pesach. The same way by Pesach, the Olas Riyah. If I didn't bring on the first day, I can bring it the whole holiday and any of the seven days of Pesach. So we say too by Shavuos, even though it's not going to be Shavuos, it's after Shavuos is over. But we still say that you're able to make up on the following six days after Shavuos, you could still bring the Karbanos that you were supposed to bring on the first day. Says the Gemara question, instead of comparing it to Pesach and saying that you could do it for a total of seven days, six days after Shavuos, why don't you compare it to Sukkot? Sukkot, you could bring the Karban on the first day, and if you miss it, you could bring it for the next seven days, including Shemini Atzeres, so that's a total of eight days. So just as by Sukkot, the Dashlumen goes through the eighth day, Afkan Shemona, maybe by Shavuos it could go through the eighth day as well. So why are we comparing it to Pesach? Maybe we should compare it to Sukkot. So the Gemara answers, Shmini regal bifnei asmo. Shmini atzeres is its own regal. So what does the Gemara mean to say? Pashtas, what the Gemara means to say is that you cannot make it up on Shmini atzeres. The Gemara seems to be trying to say you can only make it up. You know, you're supposed to bring the carbonos that you're supposed to bring the regal on the first day of Sukkot. So if you didn't, how many days do you have to make it up for? Pashtas, the Gemara is saying you only have to make it up through Hashanah Rabbah, through day seven. You don't have Shmini atzeres to make it up through. So therefore, whether you compare it to Sukkot or to Pesach, either way, you'll, the takeaway will only be Tashlumin Kol Shiva, not Tashlumin on the eighth day. Says the Gemara, but that's not true. That's simply an incorrect fact. Yes, it's true. You're right conceptually. Shmini atzeres is his own holiday. But in regard to what? Linyan Pazar Kashav. Only for the acronym of Pazar Kashav. What's Pazar Kashav? The pay means pious. That, in other words, we don't, we, all the Kohanim would show up in the Vesem Mikdash and they would share all the Avodah during the seven days. But on the eighth day, there was a new lottery to decide who would do it. Zman means the Zion, that there's, it's got its own Shech Yanu. The Reish, the Regel, means that it has its own terminology. We call it Shmini Atzeres. Biyom Hashmini Chag Atzeres, I said, we don't call it Sukkot. The Kuf is a carbon. The carbon is very different. The, the Musaf has descending bulls during the whole uh, Sukkot. But on Shmini Atzeres, there's only one bull. We have the, the Shin is Shir. There was a different type of song completely. Uh, there's a whole question about what the song was in the Beis Hamikdash for Shemini Atzeres, but whatever it was, thematically it was different than Sukkot. Um, the Beis is, 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 is Bracha. It would be a special Bracha blessing the king. And, um, and that was specially done on Shemini Atzeres. A whole story about that um, coming from Lachim, but there would be a special Berchas HaMalach, which was done on Shemini Atzeres. Anyways, those are the ways that Pazar Kashav, Shemini Atzeres, is its own independent holiday. But regarding making up the carbonos of Sukkot, everybody agrees that you could bring a carbon to make up for the carbonos that you missed on Sukkot. Did not? It says in the Mishnah, somebody didn't bring the Chagiga on the first day of Sukkot. He could bring it throughout the whole holiday, including the last day of Sukkot, meaning including Shmini Atzeres. So the, the Mishnah says explicitly the Chagiga could be brought throughout the eighth day as well. So now the question comes back. Why are we saying that on Shavuos we're makish to Pesach and we get Tashlumen Kol Shiva for seven days? Instead, we should be makish to Sukkot and we should say that Tashlumen should be all eight days. 
So the Gemara says, Tafasim Ruba Lo Tafasa, Tafasim Ruba Tafasa. If you take a large amount, you haven't taken. If you take a small amount, you have taken. Meaning, in halacha, when we're not sure if I should compare something and then learn something bigger, if I should compare it to something else and learn something smaller, what's the methodology? You always learn the smaller thing. If you don't know if you can learn the smaller thing or the bigger thing, you only have the right to derive the smaller thing. So here, if you don't know if to look, compare it to Pesach and get seven days, or compare it to Sukkot and get eight days, I only have the right to compare it to Pesach and get seven days. So that's why we say that, that Shavuot is only Tashlumen, Kol Shifa. Pesach is only seven, and in Hanami, Sukkot is eight, but we don't have, we don't have the right to derive Shavuot to Sukkot. Says the Gemara, so now we're coming out, that, 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 that the Pasuk was used to tell me that did. But why did it say Sukkot? Why did I have to say Sukkot? If anything, Sukkot is just getting in the way. Right? What I'm really learning is that Shavuot is like Pesach, that has Tashlum and Kol Shiva. But what, what is Sukkot doing there? It says the Gemara, it's meant to be there to compare to Pesach. Why do I have to pay, compare Sukkot to Pesach? Top of the just as Pesach requires Lina, that you're not allowed to leave Yerushalayim on the night after the first day. Meaning you visit the base of Mikdash, you bring your Karbanas on the first day. Are you allowed to go home right away on the first day? No. The Torah says, Ufanisa ba boker v'halacha You have to, you have to, you have to stay overnight after the first day and then only go home the next morning. So that's a specific halacha the Torah mentions in the context of Pesach. How do I know that that applies on the other Yom Tovim as well? So we say, just as it's mentioned here in the Pasuk Sukkot with Pesach, just as Pesach requires lina, Afchagah Sukkot, and lina of Hasrinol, and how do I know by Pesach last the din, in the morning, you go back home. You go, so, so we see this idea by Pesach as a din of lina, and we learn it over to Sukkot to say a din of lina. So this is now we want to explain what the words are doing here, even according to the opinions that we don't learn from them because again Ramir says it's one regal Rabbi Lazar Yaakov says it was two regalim they use it to tell me the din of Tashlumen for Shavuos and the din of Lina by Sukkot there's no Lina for Shavuos